Thanks for finding The Confessionalist. Here we are discovering old paths to the new Christendom. What the Scottish Covenanters did as a nation, we seek to do as a county, a state, and then a nation. So we're on episode 10 today. The podcast is growing, and thanks for making it possible. So let's saddle up. Today, I want to talk about President Biden's vaccine edict. A couple weeks ago, this happened. Uh, I was at the Fight Laugh Feast when the president made the speech, and I, I didn't even look at it until later. Now, I knew that he would proclaim policy, but I thought he'd stick to what he's done so far in the past, keep within his executive lanes, such things as federal agencies, federal buildings, employees in the military, those, those people who have President Biden, not just as president, but also as as boss, I thought those would be the ones he would be targeting. As a career military officer, I was on the receiving end of many of these papal bulls, and uh, but he surprised me, and perhaps you by saying that private businesses had to have their their people vaccinated. So he's clearly expanding. Now, when he said that his patience was wearing thin, there's a lot behind that statement. Don't give him a pass on that. We know what that means. We we tell this to our kids. It's a threat. And threats like this means that he's not concerned about the Constitution, much less uh, limited government that has been the fabric of Western culture that was built on the Bible. He's, that's not even in his thinking. Now, I know this uh, speech was a couple weeks old, and you've already run this through your head, but when you did, hopefully you stepped back and saw some of the brass tacks of this. So a vaccine has been made available, funded by taxation, to everyone who wants to get vaccinated. But uh, that's not enough. Our president wants to force people to shoot this into their bloodstream who don't want to shoot it into their bloodstream. He doesn't care about your convictions. And logically, it's not even possible for him to think this way unless he believes that he has at least some control over what people do to their own bodies. I'm pretty sure I watched a bad made-for-television movie in the 80s that was based on a similar story. But sadly, you know, this bad sci-fi horror situation is is uh, is becoming normal. Now, there are religious exemptions. Well, there might be religious exemptions. They haven't written the, the, the rule from OSHA yet. But what does an exemption mean? Okay, an exemption means that there is a mainstream that is not religious, but allows for those strange people who are religious to follow their own personal, private convictions. And uh, so there's a lot in that whole idea of a religious exemption, but that's a topic for another day. For today, I want us to put on our confessionalist lens, you and me, and see what comes out of the chute as we look at this. Specifically, I want to talk about two elements of his plan, the institutional structure of OSHA and then about the 100-person company size. First of all, OSHA. OSHA stands for Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Started in 1970, and it's the structure, the mechanism by which the president wants to implement his plan. I read the transcript, and it's always helpful to read the transcript. You can slow down and evaluate it. And I immediately thought, how does he, how does he think he can do this? What authority line, what structure is he, is he, he planning to use? Well, he's not going to go down the health route, the, the, the CDC, but rather he's going for the labor structure, which is a common maneuver of leftist. Now, as confessionalists, we believe that the only social institutions with any authority are those that God himself laid out. 
So when we come to something like the president's plan to use OSHA as the structural mechanism to enforce his edict, we, we should ask, is this even authorized? Not necessarily in what it's doing, but in, in its structure. Because God is not concerned only with what is being said or what is being done, but who is saying it. Now, actually, I think you could make a biblical case that OSHA is approved uh, and, uh, and it can operate as an arm of the civil magistrate. I don't think you can make a constitutional case, but I think you could make a biblical case for the civil government, probably at the state level, saying something about hard hats and ladders and extension cords. An argument would stem from the Sixth Commandment. Let me just read Rush Dooney here. The Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill, has both a positive and negative aspect. The punishment of those who unjustly commit acts of violence, on the negative side, and a positive side, the protection of life in terms of God's law. The state is usually grounded in the negative aspect and made, at best, God's hangmen. The state is indeed to be a terror to evil, the protector of good, and the praise of the same, Romans 13.3. By protecting life and furthering the safety of the family and of religion, the state is clearly positive in its ministry. Protection is not mere negation. End quote. So that's an interesting uh, take coming from Rush Dooney. Now, since OSHA is operating under the headship of civil magistrate, in principle, you can make an argument for it. A positive prevention of death and even physical harm could be made, but a number of problems pop up immediately. First, whereas the parapet illustration in Deuteronomy 22 is self-evident, you know, no one doubts that falling off a roof is a bad thing at any age. General Revelation teaches us that. If you have any doubt, walk up to the edge of a high area without a fence, look over, and see what happens to you physiologically. But the vaccine is not self-evident. It's nowhere close to that. To say it's safe and effective means that you're putting both a blind eye to the other side of the story on science and also the worldview that's behind the whole deal. Okay. Now, second, the vaccine is a very successful strategic communication plan by the devil himself. It's a diversion. Let's see. How do you get a whole country to not even consider the historic and biblical impetus for pandemics? Uh, well, you bring up something like this. You, you distract it. When reality, it's societal sin. You cannot vaccinate away God's judgment. Third, the vaccine's life cycle development is not, was not, compatible with God's law word. Compare it, once again, to the protection of the parapet. That was good. That was completely consistent with God's ethical standard. Building fences around roofs is a positively righteous thing to do. But this vaccine, it would not even exist in its current form without a stockpile of cells taken from babies murdered in the 70s. That's how the initial ones were developed and how they were tested. Think about it. There would be people walking around my age with families if they had not been murdered in the womb 40 to 50 years ago. And I don't know where we would be on this vaccine. So uh, that's clearly outside of God's ethics. So that's a, that's a no-go. At the basic confessional standpoint, the Bible is interested in two conditions. One, a societal structure of representative heads covenanted and accountable to the personal triune God. And number two, because of condition number one, an ethical code that is linked to that triune God. The, the triune God. 
And since we don't have either one of these conditions, we have to conclude that President Biden uh, attempting to use OSHA to demand people squirt this concoction into their bloodstream is unbiblical. Now, next, I want to talk about the 100-person criteria. The 100 or more number instantly rang a bell with me. That's because the, the size of a typical Air Force squadron and really the fighting unit of any military for all of history is about 100 people. The Centurion is a good example. Here's the deal. When you move up to leading 100 people, things change. You get your own office. You become a commander. In the, in the corporate world, you might be a director. And it's because you have subordinate leaders who provide oversights to all the functional capacity. In other words, this is the first generalist level. You're a leader, not a manager or a doer. And so you have time to think policy. And you guide more by policy and vision than you do by action. In other words, your social connections have changed. You now have communication channels with those who are making policy. But it's not so much the upward look, you know, towards this uh, this hundred person leader. It's the downward look. Back to the military example. If a general wants to implement a force movement, he needs to communicate down to the commander level, but no further. In fact, if he takes it further down, it would allow for individual and platoon considerations, and everyone will have their own opinions. And there's no time for that. We've got to break camp together. So. At, at a hundred-man unit, you can reach conformity, and it's because it's the intersection of personnel and policy. Now, it's, it's, it's a position of power, and therefore, it's ripe for being manipulated, and I'm sure that's what the president is, is trying to do. That happened to me a number of times. Once I became a commander, all sorts of people became my, my friends, and they talked about what they wanted to do and tried to get me to, to do things. So these medium-sized businesses, these hundred or, or more, they have enough structure that it can be controlled, and I think that's why President Biden honed in on it. That leads to the next point. Where does the Bible, sufficient for all things pertaining to life and godliness, put businesses? For these 100-plus businesses, where do they sit in God's structure? I want you to imagine a room with chairs, not in rows side by side, but in columns front to back. In a covenantal society, what vertical column do businesses sit in? Or do they have their own column that goes straight to God as a business? Or, and I think this is the only remaining option, businesses don't even have to be in the covenantal room at all. Now, that last option, that's the throwaway option. We, we, we can't agree to that. God is Lord of all, and there's nothing outside of his ethics, and there's also nothing outside of his covenantal authority structure. So now we have either businesses or entities under themselves, or they sit uh, in the individual and family column. If you are a Christian and think that businesses have their own column, I don't think you can hold to the concept of Christendom, where Every part of society has its own officers and its own ethical code and its checks and balances. In every situation in the Bible where societies blow it and come back and covenant, you don't see businesses separately. You do see families, and you do see oftentimes the leaders who would necessarily have to be business leaders, but they're not presented as such. They are individual and family leaders. Also, a lot of good or bad happens in this column of business, and the, the Bible is rich in instruction on wages, on treating people, on weights and measures, on leadership. 
So once again, we see these things directed to real people, the slave owner or the, or the wine farmer who, who, uh, who went away and hired people to work for him, these kind of things. Now, keeping businesses at the family level allows for accountability. Try to hold Facebook accountable. And I like to say, if you can't excommunicate Facebook, you can't trust Facebook. The, the concept of church discipline is a check on uh, family operations, it's a check on personal operations, and it's a check on business operations. So if you can't excommunicate a, a business, then, then uh, how, how can you keep it in line with God's Word? What this means is that if we stay out of the 100-person or more workforce construct and keep it at the family level, we can hold the families and people accountable to ethical standards of the Bible rather than the top-down enforcement from an uncovenanted leader like our president who is not concerned with biblical ethics and who is out of his authority lane. Now, there's a very positive side to this whole thing. President Biden has executed what may be one of the biggest leadership moves toward the second Christendom, and he doesn't even know it. He's moved businesses in the right direction, or at least prevented them from growing into institutional structures separated from the family. Businesses are very important, and we want to keep them uh, accountable and in line with God's God's law because they, they affect culture significantly. What Biden's 100-person level shows us is that below this level, businesses have more freedom. I think somebody needs to write a book uh, titled 99 and Less, The Freedom of the Family Business. The fact that family businesses have been protected should be an encouragement to us all. As confessionalists, if you have family-led businesses and you have all of society covenanting through the heads of families, church and state, guess what you get? You get all the horses in the same arena running alongside each other to the same leader. And uh, so it's it's a wonderful thing. President Biden, you've done an excellent job in showing a very clear path toward local Christendom. You don't know it, but God holds your heart and your head in his hand. And I honestly pray that you will repent and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then the next time that you lead us toward local Christendom, it will be on purpose. Well, until next time, remember Psalm 6311, But the king shall rejoice in God, and everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs>